The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Why is shame such a powerful emotion? How does it affect us mentally, physically, emotionally? I'm Nadia Davis. I'm a mom, author, attorney, and kundalini yoga teacher who has experienced public shaming that brought me to my knees. On this podcast, I'm going to tell you how I'm living the work taking shame out of the shadows. I'll give you real-life advice and skills to take away with you throughout your day. You'll hear from powerful guests who have overcome trauma and emerged stronger than ever. You too can ban the shame within and around you. Join me. You are not alone. Oh, happy day. Hi, everyone. It's Nadia. And welcome to Storytime. Here at Storytime, we share stories for us big people about how all the hard work we've done, all the pain that we've gone through in addiction and trauma recovery pays off in present day moments with little ones, partners, family, neighbors, whatever it might be. This is story time for those in recovery and especially parents. Today's story is called The Blame Game. Its main message is, where there is blame, listen. It says a lot about others and a lot about ourselves, and a lot can be learned if we listen within. First, what is blame? Blame in the dictionary says, in a verb, it is assigning responsibility for fault or wrong. A noun, blame is responsibility for fault or wrong. It's to accuse of being at fault, condemn for something, censure, to find fault with. Interestingly, the psychological term for blaming others is called projection. Now, that's a term that I use a lot when it relates to shame. You see, blame is actually shame projected. Now, this story time and the blame game carries a lot of different layers where the learnings that I gained about how outside blaming didn't do me, didn't do a damn thing for me. And I had to go within and find personal accountability and honesty and growth. How that comes came up in just these treasured moments with my kids, but how when I didn't listen and look behind another's pattern of blaming, I got myself in a situation that resulted in a lot of pain. So 
Projection is, it's attributing one's shortcomings, mistakes, and misfortunes to others in order to protect one's ego, or in order to hide a truth that one carries within. Blaming others, in other words, projection, is more common in those who are experiencing negative feelings and are unable to regulate their emotions. Now, I am reading that out of the Collins Dictionary. And when I looked up the definition of blame for this episode, and then I saw the psychological effect of blame being projection, this blew my mind. Because this has basically been the story of the learnings over the last couple of years. Now, blame is normal. We do it all the time. Blame is normal. Blame is okay, however, I have learned, only if it is coupled with our own personal accountability, with an ability to have self-awareness, to see our part. And this is also part of step work. When we look at our resentments that are so related to blame, the most important part is our part. We look at our part. How did we, you know, trigger somebody to do something that we are resentful about? Without that kind of work, no growth can happen. No changes in life can happen. I had to go through that hard stuff, and it's a daily process, and I fumble all the time, but I can tell you, blame is normal, but when it's coupled with that self-awareness and honesty, beautiful things can happen. Blame is not okay when it is not coupled with honesty, self-awareness. Now, why does this coupling, you know, become so important? Because we can only have empathy. We can only really, truly relate to another's hurt that we may have caused and stop the blaming if we have our own honest reflection with self. So it all starts within. Otherwise, everything becomes a blame game and a game of shaming. It becomes scapegoating, confusing stories, gaslighting. And in my experience, because I always blame myself, falling into what I now understand is another's kind of narcissistic personality disorder. Now, I hate labels. I'm going to make this real through a story about my children and a football game that they had. This is how blame is normal, but this is also how we can learn from it if we're listening behind the blaming actions and words. My kids started flag football in the summer, and uh, they love it. They play basketball too, and it's like the highlight of my week to watch them play flag football. And so often we play on the beach and it's two against one, meaning them against me. And I love it. And so 
often, you know, they'll whisper to each other and they'll come up with a play. I do my best not to listen and turn my back. And, you know, they both are good at playing quarterback and running back. So they're whispering in each other's ears and Harrison and Elijah come up with a play. And as Eli is quarterback and he says, 10, huh, you know, Harrison is just standing there and I'm a bit confused. Eli runs backwards and is pretending like he's going to throw it. And Harrison is like, what are you doing? And Eli then just starts running with the ball and I tag him. And so, you know, Harrison is clearly upset. And it seemed like that happened in the couple of plays before. And so looking behind this, I'm trying to figure out what happened. And in the midst of it, they start arguing. Okay. Eli starts saying, you said, and, you know, I wanted to run. And Harrison starts getting actually a little bit sad and is clearly hurt and feels that he has been betrayed. Now, as I'm trying to find out why Harrison is so upset versus a minor disappointment, I ask Elijah, are you seeing how upset he is? You know, obviously he feels like his trust has been broken. And Elijah starts at, well, he's just a crybaby. And so that is where I stopped Elijah. And I said, we don't use shaming or name calling here. I want you to think about the fact that you promised Harrison that you would do something and you clearly didn't. Elijah walks off. And so I have a moment with Harrison alone. And I said, you know, how is this making you feel? And then I told Harrison, well, now you know, Elijah sometimes won't follow through with what he's promised you. He is blaming you. Listen, take note. Where there is blame, there's something else going on with somebody that they might be hiding. In other words, Elijah wanted to get the touchdown. He wanted to be the star and he had good intentions. Also, Harrison wanted the same. There was no right and wrong here, but for a second at least, they were considering each other's intentions. No one meant to hurt each other. They both wanted to just play and have fun. Harrison noted, Elijah may not follow through. Elijah noted, if I don't follow through, I'm clearly going to upset somebody. So I told Elijah, if you want somebody to follow through with the play with you, you have to show that you are trustworthy also. Now, there was several minutes of, you know, I don't want to play, and they each kind of walked in circles and were playing with the dog. and. Soon enough, we got back to playing and each of them, each of them followed through and especially Elijah, 
he knew he had to show Harrison that he would follow through with the play he promised in order for Harrison to follow through with the play that he promised. This is called empathy. This is called little kids seeing, recognizing, being accountable to the effect of the simple action of not following through with each other. Now, this is like blatant blame, a blatant blame game, right? With adults, it can get a lot trickier. I know now today that when meeting someone or interacting with anyone, where there is blame and no self-reflection, no owning of one's part, no willingness to share mistakes, bad choices made, um, just self-reflection and honesty. I must listen. I must listen and look deeper behind that blame for what it is that someone is actually projecting and hiding. This is a massive statement to state, but I now know that blaming is basically projecting, projecting one's misfortune, shortcomings, mistakes, truth onto another in order to protect oneself. In the beginning of this relationship, there was nothing but blaming of others for one's heartache. This person um, rarely, if ever, owned his part. Now, blame was subtle and it became confusing. I should have listened to the blame in the form of what is questioning of me, accusations of me, name calling, and then distance. Because the moment that I saw a photo that showed that that person had breached my trust, I was nothing but understanding and forgiving when I shouldn't have been. You see, all along there was blaming without personal accountability on that person's part. The outward shame game and blame game began, and they projected their reality onto me. It was an extremely painful experience. And had I listened in the beginning to the blame about other people being the cause of their misfortune and saw that there was no ability for self-honesty, I wouldn't have gotten myself into this situation. So why is this all kind of a lesson and important? Years ago, I was in that same place, and I did the same. Then I learned to grow, owning my part, being personally accountable, 
working with a sponsor, being honest about every single secret I had. And therein, blame began to be coupled with personal accountability and projection ended. I used to blame my ex-husband for this feeling of powerlessness over the situation with my children. When I was in that state, co-parenting healthfully was impossible. Diving deeper to the core wounds that were triggered in my interactions with him was impossible. I'm reading a part of the book, Home is Within You, my memoir, on page 352, to explain what it was like then. My therapist, Miriam, always told me that relationships are opportunities to heal, that the actions of others trigger core wounds in us that need to be heard. What did he do? What did he bring up in you? She'd ask me after an interaction with Bill. He looked at my body, then smirked at me in the midst of trying to tell him something important. I got a funny feeling in my tummy. He has control of the children and finances. I can't say anything. I must take it. I can't escape it, I would say. But how does it make you feel, she'd push. What are the feelings? Geez, I struggled for so long with that damn question. Still do. She'd push and push as I always went back to the present incident. No, Nadia. What is the core wound? It makes me feel unseen, powerless, ashamed, I'd say. And once tapped in, the focus immediately turned away from whatever triggered me and how, from whatever somebody else did, back to myself. It increased my awareness of what happens in my head along with past unrelated hurtful experiences still swimming inside my head that I had to acknowledge and let go of. Listen to that hurt child, Nadia, she'd say. Let her come out. The trigger will lose its power. Who is she really? What does she need? The ego mind sends messages to distract you. The mere process of identifying the cycles inside, the truth in the middle of stimuli and my responses, always help to quell and prevent minor present-day triggers from turning into immediate responses or disassociation. I fumbled, I do all the time, but observing became a little more habitual. It was never all Bill, my ex-husband. It was me and my responses to him. When I blamed my ex-husband, I was merely projecting the shame that I held within about the situation that I had created. Had I had the capacity to give myself self-compassion, empathy, and reach out for help that I don't beat myself up for anymore in the past, I could have found an easier way out of an unhealthy marriage. I could have not reached for the drink or drug and 
nurtured that little girl within me. Later in life, when even sober, I had to identify those core wounds that he was triggering. And in addition to blame, yes, there were controlling ways. Yes, there were challenges that he presented in getting out of the marriage. Yes, there was heartache in separation. Yes, I could blame only if I also looked at the blame that I had to hold myself accountable to. Then blame didn't become a shame game. Then blame became an opportunity to listen, to listen to the own core wounds within myself. So I tell you, where there is blame, listen. The other is projecting a truth within themselves that they may be hiding, that they may have to explore. Maybe it's a core wound in them. Maybe it's a shame within them. But there is a whole nother set of layers, set of truths underneath any accusatory statement of another. The beauty of this work is that it enabled us to grow to a place that allowed beautiful moments like the other night that I had with my children. It was during a bedtime moment when the boys cuddling next to me in bed had a memory. And the memory was when there was a time where they were separated from us and put into the arms of loving family members. And there under that roof, they had to sleep in separate beds. Now, since they were young, they've always, always ended up, even as babies, crawling to each other so that they could touch the other's foot, cuddle next to each other, and be right next to each other as they were in my womb. Now, this kind of overlapped into how they handled their feelings of fear and insecurity due to the trauma that was imposed on them in separation. During that time in being forced to sleep in separate beds, you know, it was hard on them. And so the other night in bed, um, as I suddenly mentioned, you guys are getting so big, you're going to have to fall asleep in your bed. Now, this has been a process we've been working on for quite some time. Sometimes they do, often they don't. And I'm slowly, you know, broaching the idea over time. And so in this moment, Harrison shares a story about how, you know, he was sad. He was sad and he had to sleep alone in the bed and he cried, he shared. And Elijah asked, just outwardly, very quickly, and revealing, though, that that slow approach to this concept, my knowing that the anger and the blaming that he had towards me in the past 
was coming from his core wound. I understood where it was coming from over the years after they were brought back to us. I had empathy and I had compassion for his blaming, for his anger. All of that led up to this moment where he then asked me, where were you, mommy? And with the self-compassion and personal accountability that I had for myself, in that moment, I was able to, with utter vulnerability, tell my son, I was forced to. Mommy was accountable. I had to hold myself accountable to how I was reacting to the pain in my life at the time. I had to learn how to stop drinking. I had to learn how to stop projecting the shame from that onto your dad, onto myself with self-harm. I had to learn to do things differently, son. And I was heartbroken. And my eyes welled with tears. And he saw that vulnerable side of me that ultimately, really, is the truth in the middle. Right there in that moment, I realized, wow, I was teaching my sons a whole different layer than this outside blame game. Yeah, we had had a football moment where blame is normal and it's about a play, yet in the moment at bedtime, this looked deeper behind a simple, literal blame game. This looked at the psychological layers and harm that blame can do and into where it can result in healing when there's personal accountability. I loved the moment thereafter where they said, you know, we're here now. And there we were. Happy tears, sad tears from past heartache, yet vulnerable tears, allowing for honesty, growth, and healing. Falling asleep together in each other's arms, that is what that enabled. You see, when there is a blame game, listen. Listen to what the other may be projecting. And when you are blaming, go and listen to the inner child within. What's really going on? The blame game doesn't have to lead to shaming. It doesn't have to lead to pain. It doesn't have to lead to confusing games. It can actually lead to another fun football game. We just got to be aware of what's going on within and listen. I hope you enjoyed this short podcast and encourage you to download the Mind Body Spirit app, use the open mic tab, and send me your story time moments, whether as a parent, a partner, or a caretaker of an adult or little ones. Together we can share stories of hope and growth so that those out there struggling know all the hard work results in moments like this where the promises do come true. Sending warm hugs. Bye. 
you are not alone. If you are dealing with shame and trauma, please reach out to me through my website, nadia-davis.com. You can get a free band shame tip sheet and find out about upcoming events. I'd love it if you picked up my book, Home is Within You, wherever books are sold. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to follow me on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sending warm hugs. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.